This is the Yahoo Finance Sportsbook Podcast. Okay, welcome back to Yahoo Finance Sportsbook. We are, as you hear this, just days away from Super Bowl 53. We have talked it to death, but not quite every important, fun, interesting business angle, because we have, of course, talked in the past about the business of Bill Belichick, of Tom Brady, the way that the New England Patriots do things, the interesting management lessons that a lot of former players and former staff members take away from the way that team is run. And now with days to go before the game, it is the Patriots versus the Rams, and we want to get into it. We've talked about the ticket sales and the somewhat weaker demand than usual because of the two fan bases. We've talked to our Yahoo Sports friend Jay Busby about his predictions for the game. But now I want to bring in someone to give us a little bit of light on just how the Patriots run things, someone who knows very well and might know a lot better than some other folks out there. It's Michael Lombardi, longtime NFL exec. Hi, Michael. Hi, Dan. How are you? Terrific. Thank you for having me again. Yeah, thanks for coming back. You are a repeating guest now on the podcast, so... That's, that's, that's terrific. A great honor. Yep. And, uh, you know, obviously you've got years and years of experience under your belt at many different teams, but a lot of those years with the Patriots, you've won a few Super Bowl rings with them, which is nice. <laughs> yeah. um, some nice hardware to have. For my grandkids. <laughs> right. And uh, look, I, I guess I'd start by asking, you know, as we sit here, we're, we're a few days before the game, and it's interesting to watch all the narratives out there in the media because, you know, no surprise here that so many people say they're disappointed to see the Patriots back. And, you know, I guess if you're not from Boston, you probably think, Ugh, it's always them. But I would I would say I've noticed a little bit of nuance here where finally, for the first time in a while, it's almost like now it's so many times, you know, nine visits for Brady, three Super Bowl visits in a row, that I'm starting to hear even some of the people who hate the Patriots at least admit, wow, it is so amazing. Wow, it is so impressive. Um, so I guess talk to me a little bit about kind of Patriots hate because you worked for the team. You worked very closely with Bill Belichick. Uh, you were an assistant to the coaching staff. Uh, was that something you paid attention to, care about, have thoughts on? You know, I, I don't know if it's hate. I think it's envy. You know, there's a fine line that we go through. Uh, you know, when someone dominates like the Patriots have dominated since Bill's been there. I mean, you can't hate that. If you understand anything about success and you want to be successful, you certainly have to admire success. And if you turn your nose to it, then you're probably never going to be successful. So I think it's really envy that's disguised as, you know, jealousy and other other things. And I think, you know, sometimes I know for my book, Red Iron Genius, you know, I, I, it's funny because I think people don't want to read it because they really don't want to, you know, they kind of think they have the answer. And then the other day, Sean McVay announced that he's reading it. So, you know, once Sean McVay does something, I think everybody else will fall suit. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I think it's more just envy than it is just hate. I, I don't know how you can hate something that's been so successful when the rules are doing everything in their power to keep you from being successful. Right. And, you know, there have been so many seasons in which a few weeks in, people say, okay, this is finally it. This is the year. This is the end of the dynasty. They're just not good enough. They don't have the depth. They don't have stars. And this was another year like that. And even as a fan, and, you know, I'm from Boston. I mean, I I kind of, a few weeks in, we had some embarrassing losses. I mean, we love to lose to bad teams, but then beat the good ones, uh, beat the Bears, beat the Chiefs in the regular season, lost to the Dolphins and some others. I, too, thought... Well, I don't see how this team goes far in, in the playoffs. Uh, what do you make of the playoff run this year? Has it surprised you, or is this just kind of business as usual? This is Bill and Tom, and, and they always find a way uh, to make do, even with a subpar roster. 
I think it's you know beating the Chargers didn't surprise me. I thought they would do that. Uh, they're very comfortable playing against that scheme. I thought that Brady wouldn't get sacked, and I thought they would win that game. I didn't think they would dominate like they did, but I thought they would win. But I, I think what what we've all missed is because those losses have been so bad, and there's been some games where, especially late in the season, where they haven't looked patriot-like, that we've kind of dismissed the whole season. And I think you don't really get a true indication of how good this team has been. I mean, if Gronk just tackles Kenyon Drake, they're playing the game at home instead of Kansas City would have been the number one seed. And then when you look at some of the things that they've done the last eight weeks of the season, they're the first in points, points scored in the last eight weeks. They're the best team in points allowed the last eight weeks. You know, they're fourth in in total points overall scored. I mean, they're the number two team in what I call rushes and completions, a critical stat. They're third in in CFL football, which is getting first. I mean, there's so many good numbers that we lost track of it. And I think more than anything, Dan, they're playing their best football now. The last two games have been their best two games of the season. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it is interesting this season, too, to watch – uh, so much of the focus has been on the run game and just you know give it to Sony Michelle and Pat's not usually doing that and then also in the playoffs the defense has been terrific and it was the defense that so many people criticized they said well well the Pats just have no defense this year so so they've really stepped up but uh, switching to the run so often has been really interesting I mean I guess it's just a reminder uh, you know and if we if we kind of look at it as a business lesson the ability to completely shift up the way you do things every season. You know, they talk about Bill and they talk about situational football always. Yeah, I, I think, too, the lesson business-wise is is peak at the right time. You know, like if you're going to struggle, struggle early, but don't struggle around Christmas season when you need to have your pre-performance, right? So yeah. I think that this is the lesson, and they do it so well, and they're able to look at the, po- look at the postseason, how well they've played, and they've been able to dominate – in the first half, I mean, this is something Belichick talks about all throughout. They have scored 49 points in the first half in the, in the, in the playoffs and have only allowed seven. Now, they've given up 59 points total, but all that have, 38 have been in the fourth quarter. So I, I think what we're seeing from them is how they've really improved. And I think the constant effort of improving is a business lesson here that ignore the noise don't pay attention necessarily to the bottom line. Don't keep checking your profit margins. Just keep getting better 1% every day, and by the end of the year, you'll have a great season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about both Bill and Tom and kind of the future. I think uh, that is such a fascinating topic to people. Uh, we say, gosh, it feels like this every year. Well, it can't last forever. And, of course, the age question now keeps coming up, and uh, there was a, a fun little appearance Brady did the other day, and—, and Someone asked him, uh, you know, what are the chances this is your last season? He said zero. And he reiterated, I'd like to play till I'm 45. Uh, on this very podcast, we had an Ian O'Connor recently, an ESPN writer who has a big, big book out on Belichick, big doorstop. And he said, you know, people keep talking about the 45 number. I've heard Brady talk about playing at 46, 47, 48, which, I mean, it's ridiculous to even think about. But, uh, you know, where do you see that trajectory in the next few years? Because for me, it's tempting to say that if they win this Super Bowl— I almost wish he would stop because how do you get better than that? Now you've got six rings, you've won two in three years. Uh, it's just such a nice ending. And what, just as a fan, you know, forget the media aspect, but for me as a fan, what's sad is to imagine the time when Brady becomes 
like a Peyton toward the end of his final season where you're still playing but you just you barely have it and you're being you have to be carried by the defense and it's sort of like you play one season too long yeah I'm not sure that'll happen I think that look you know we're in uncharted territory here you know one thing we know about age it always wins it's undefeated so it will win and when it happens I think anybody's guess is going to be wrong. You know, I thought in 2013 when the Patriots lost to Denver, if you asked me who would be playing in 19, I would have said Peyton and not Brady. So I was wrong on that. And I think you just, this is uncharted territory. We, you know, the body is not used to playing at this level for so long. And I think that, you know, the Patriots will have to address this quarterback situation this offseason, which is then going to start some conversations about how much longer can you actually play and and if he does start to decline do they make the move and I think that you know I hope Tom plays forever I'm with you I hope this is for the love of the game with Kevin Costner and he throws a no-hitter and retires (laughs) but I don't see that happening right yeah he doesn't want to he's got the pliability Um, it's interesting that you even say they need to have a discussion about quarterback I mean I mentioned we had Ian in here the author of a big book on Belichick and and he was saying that uh, the moment when Brady kind of successfully lobbied Kraft to get rid of Garoppolo. That, at least Ian O'Connor was saying, that that was kind of the end of any question about Brady finishing his career as a Patriot. Now it's guaranteed he will. You know, regardless of how many more seasons it is, that was him solidifying, like, Kraft isn't going to let me go and, and shunt me aside. Now Belichick is a different story. Maybe, possibly, he ends up coaching somewhere else. We know sort of his the one dream he has that was unfulfilled was he'd like to be head coach of the Giants. But but are you saying that you still see it as possible that, that maybe there's a point at which Brady wants to keep playing, he has fallen off, and the Patriots trade him away? Well, I don't know if that'll happen. I'm not suggesting that. I, I'm not sure trades. Uh, I don't think anybody – look, there's a great legacy. This, this man has been remarkable, and – what he's been able to accomplish, both he and Belichick. So, I, you know, I don't think that's – this isn't going to be Johnny United shipping him off to the San Diego Chargers. But I, what I was saying was that we don't know what the future holds, especially when you're dealing with the unknown of a 41-year-old player and who doesn't count. You know, you recited how many Super Bowls he could have, but Brady doesn't count. Brady's never – I don't think Brady thinks he's won one. And when he goes to work this week, I think he'll think this will be the first one he's ever won. So that's the mindset that he has, and I think that'll always be his mindset. So I think time is undefeated. I think father time wins, but I just don't know when that'll be. Could you see Belichick uh, coaching somewhere other than New England in his career as a head coach? You know, by the rules, I don't. Uh, it's very difficult for the owners have uh, ways to keep coaches locked up. For example, we saw Bruce Arians this year who retired, and then he came back to, to coach Tampa Bay and, and wait a minute, Arizona said, time out here. We still have, you know, you yeah. left, you quit. So you owe us some compensation. Well, they, they've been finagled a six for seventh and did that kind of thing. It's not going to really matter. But the reality of it is I think the rules prohibit that too much. I mean, it's not going to be, you know, it, where he becomes the GM and sits out like Lombardi did in, in 69 and watch Phil Bankston coach the Green Bay Packers and then, take the Redskins because Edward Bennett Williams gave him 3% of the Redskins. I, I like to think that that could be a great story. I just don't know if it's reality in this world. 
Yeah, it's hard to picture uh, picture that for Belichick. Uh, we've been talking so much about the Patriots, naturally, but but let's talk about the Rams. I mean, as I mentioned, you've worked with many teams, uh, worked closely with many coaches, and and seen uh, how they all manage differently. When you look at the Rams and the story, so much of the story is Sean McVay. Uh, we also saw it was just about a month ago when when kind of the coaching drama began, Black Mondays they call it, and a lot of coaches were being fired, and then it was what coaches are going to be hired. Uh, it, it became. A situation where uh, someone joked on Twitter that if you've so much as had a cup of coffee with Sean McVay, you're going to get an interview to be a head coach. Uh, so clearly now other teams are saying, well, we want a Sean McVay. When you look at the Rams this season, uh, what are your thoughts there? You know, I, I wrote a column about that for The Athletic today, and I, I think I think what Sean McVay, people don't understand, is Sean McVay is not a coach who comes in with a specific offense. He is a guy that understood what it takes to be successful. He was in Tampa with Gruden. He was with Mike Shanahan. He's learned a lot of different things. So when he took over the Rams, he took over the Rams with a sense of of putting Jared Goff in the right spot. What could he do for Jared Goff that make him that would make him most successful? And he came up with an offense that was really good. And so these other coaches that leave there, you know, they leave there with the Sean McVay tag, but they have to be their own man, and they have to find a way to develop what fits their team that they're going to and utilize his skill set as a divergent thinker to create an offense. And I think that's going to be the biggest challenge. I think both coaches in this game are divergent in thought. Everybody thinks it's creativity, but I think it's more divergent. Mm. Yeah. You know, when we talk about the Patriots, and as I mentioned, uh, it's really interesting. I've been tracking it closely, but uh, we're we're five days out right now, and ticket sales on the secondary market are cheaper than usual. Of course, they're not cheap, but they're much cheaper than they would be at this time. And uh, we had a ticketing exec who basically explained, you know, for the Patriots fans, they've been there so many times, it's not that they don't want to go, but they've become experienced at how to game the system. So they're waiting longer to buy. And then for the Rams... You know, it's a recently transplanted team, so maybe the fan base isn't as strong. A lot of people in St. Louis are bitter. Uh, but with all that being said, I guess I would ask you, is there any sense in which you think the Patriots being so dominant, being always in the mix the last 15 years, is bad for business for the NFL? I mean, we talk about the same thing with the NBA. Is it bad that it's the Warriors every year or college football? We say Bama, Clemson again, and the retort people say is, well, don't you want to see the best? Uh, the ESPN college football crew, they keep saying, well, they're the best, Bama and Clemson, and that's great, and what a great rivalry. Uh, what's your take there? What do you say to fans who are just, you know, even if they begrudgingly respect how good the Patriots are, they're just sick of it? Well, I don't, I don't know. How, you know, I don't know what else. The, the system in the NBA, the way players are, I mean, Anthony Davis wants to get traded to the Lakers. In the NFL, that can't happen. I mean, the, the NBA is about partnerships. I mean, Kevin Durant couldn't go from Oklahoma to, to New Orleans in the NFL. There's rules against that. And so, you know, to me, I kind of wonder how that could really be good for the NFL to where we get the star power teams. But in, ter- in the college football, it's all about recruiting. In the NFL, the rules are the opposite. The rules say, you know, you're not supposed to win. You're not supposed to maintain excellence because you're going to have a lower draft pick every year and you should have to pay all your players more money because they win. I think the Patriots do that. I think that's good television. I, I think this TV ratings for the NFL are remarkable. I mean, just look at the Pro Bowl ratings. I mean, people love football in this country, and they're, I think the NBA would love to get ratings as good as the Pro Bowl for some of their big-time playoff games. Yeah, I'm so glad you, you mentioned ratings because I wanted to ask you about that while we have you. Uh, I wrote this up this week, but regular season ratings bounce back, you know, up 5% after two seasons of declines. 
And now as we look back, you know, everyone's got uh, their narrative that they want to choose. Some people say, well, the games were just better. The matchups were better. And others said, well, it was obviously the politics. The politics faded away and the controversy ended and, and people returned to watching. Uh, what do you think it was? Why do you think the ratings uh, rebounded so much this season? Was it all the star young quarterbacks? I think so. I think that we're in a league of star quarterbacks. And I said it this summer. I did it on my podcast, GM Street. I talked about how this we are now in the most fertile time in the NFL where there's so many great young quarterbacks. We, you know, we didn't even know how great Patrick Mahomes was this summer. You know, Deshaun Watson. You know, there's so many great young arms out there that we're seeing. Jared Goff. Uh, you know, it's so it's it's fun. And I think people love offensive football and the way they've changed the rules. I mean, we've seen a game – you know, 54-51 in the NFL. We've been, the Big 12 has come into the NFL. And so it's it's been fun. It's an explosive time. I think fans enjoy it. It's a great game. It's a chess match on grass. And I think fans like that part of the game, even though sometimes it's not often explained to them. Do you have any favorites, uh, having worked so closely with so many offenses and coaches among these young quarterbacks, whether it's Mahomes, Baker Mayfield, Goff? You know, I, I've always liked I've always liked Deshaun Watson. I like the fact that he can develop a culture in a building. I think he's a kid who's remarkable in the fact that he went to Clemson and started as a freshman. In high school, he started as a freshman. I like achievers like that. I think this Patrick Mahomes is a remarkable player. You know, I think Baker Mayfield will have an opportunity. Sam Darnold at the Jets is going to be a good story once things get kind of stabilized in New York and the team gets better around him. There's a lot of good young quarterbacks. We'll see what Josh Rosen can do. You know, but I think like Teddy Bridgewater will sign somewhere, and I'm hopeful that Teddy Bridgewater will resurge his career and really bring a team back. I, th- I think Joe Garoppolo, if he gets healthy in San Francisco, certainly is another good story. And I have never mentioned Russell Wilson, who's still a player who's won Super Bowl. So there's a lot of great quarterbacks in this league, and I think that's what makes the league so much fun. Absolutely. And uh, we had the pleasure of having Lewis Riddick uh, on one of our live shows from ESPN. And this was only halfway through the season, but he was saying the same thing. It's all about the young quarterbacks. It's the season of the young quarterback. And pointing to the fact that obviously the league uh, was having roughing the passer called more frequently to protect those quarterbacks, which, you know, people were kind of critical of at first, especially a lot of defensive guys. There was some sniping on Twitter. But I, I thought it was smart. I mean, in hindsight, look, it worked and it was smart and it kept the star quarterbacks on the field. Did you have an opinion on that? You know, I, I think, look, we've got to do everything in our power to protect the quarterbacks. I think there's no doubt about that. And so by doing so, we're able to keep the game alive. I think in the other factor, the way we've changed the rules to where we're pretty hard hardened down on, obviously not in the last game, but we're going to make sure that the receivers have a chance to catch the football and the helmet-to-helmet rules are going to keep the middle of the field a lot easier. I mean, Ronnie Lott, who I grew up with and worked and was at the 49ers and won a Super Bowl with, you know, the game today wouldn't be really conducive to what Ronnie, the way Ronnie played, because he was such a dominating, intimidating force inside. So it's a passing league. We know that, and it's a lot of fun to watch. Uh, Michael, one thing I, I didn't ask you a few months back when we had you on, and I want to make sure I ask you, we've been having a lot of great guests recently who are authors of sports-related nonfiction books, and I'm going to put you on the spot here. What are, in your mind, your favorite ever, the best ever sports books? And either nonfiction, fiction, could be a novel, your favorites. I, I love Halberstam's Jordan's Playing for Keeps because I thought it was an incredible book that used Jordan as the center of what drove where we are today, whether it was the PR agency in Portland, ESPN, Nike, the NBA, Jordan, the way Halberstam can write such an incredible story and tell an incredible tale as Jordan is the centerpiece. And it just 
and the wheel around was so fascinating to read about the impact and timing and how it really blossomed into made a lot of people uh, a lot of money and it also made our society what we are today. Yeah, you know, I finally recently read Breaks of the Game, also by Halberstam, and that is just terrific on the Trailblazers. Yeah. That's a classic. Anything you can get your hands on by Halberstam is always a good read. Uh, you know, when I worked at the Raiders, I was reading The Coldest Winter. It's about the Korean conflict. And there's a, as Halberstam can always do, he takes you back in time. So you live, as, as you're reading the book, you live as, as if you were in the 50s. And so there's no misinterpretation. You know, oftentimes today we look back on events from our eyes today into those eyes in the past, and we don't understand it. Halberstam avoids that. And this is what he did with the book, and I thought it was just fascinating. I mean, you can read the best and the brightest. You know, even the Belichick cook, The Education of a Coach, both guys lived in Nantucket, and that's how it became popular. Yeah, absolutely. Good stuff. Well, Michael, uh, you got a prediction for the score of the game? <laughs> got to put you on the spot? I, I think, you know, I like the Patriots. I think it'll be a great game. I think the Patriots will win 28-24, something like that. I think it'll be a really good game. I just think Brady is, is – I think Brady and the team are playing their best football right now, and I, I wouldn't go against them. Yep, I love that. Peaking at the right time. That is a good theme to hammer home. All right, Michael Lombardi, uh, former NFL exec, and he is the author of Gridiron Genius. Thanks so much. Thank you, Daniel. Okay, really interesting stuff, and uh, of course we've had Michael on before. Uh, long time, 30-year alum of the NFL, worked with many, many teams, and his book Gridiron Genius has a lot of really interesting stories, some behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, not necessarily the juice that you'd hope to get or want on someone like Belichick, uh, but you've also got a lot of options out there, uh, as he mentioned, the Halberstam book, The Education of a Coach, and Ian O'Connor's new book, Belichick. I will be watching the game. Uh, everyone who has ever listened to this podcast, even for a second, knows which team I will be rooting for, and we will break it all down, I'm sure, next week. This is Yahoo Finance Sportsbook. We come out every Thursday. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe on any podcast platform. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.